0: And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Part two, if you're watching on YouTube, I've held up two fingers. Part two of this dynamic conversation with a dynamic person, Rachel Beck. And she's a social media influencer, a coach. If you want to learn how to do things better, you need to follow her on LinkedIn at Rachel Beck, R-A-C-H-E-L-B-E-C-K. But she's right here right now. And in this part of the conversation, I want to tell her story. You heard in part one how she's overcome PTSD. She's overcome racism. She's overcome a lot of things in her life. We're going to take this part to kind of tell, to really tell her story. Because that's a part of the Intentional Courage podcast is we want to tell the stories behind the people. Because stories are what make people who they are. Rachel, again, people got a lot of value out of that first part, but there's a reason and there's, there's a story, but you, you help people, you inspire them to find their own story. I just got to know about your story. So take me back as far as you want to go. And I, I want to hear your incredible story.
1: Oh, thank you, Brian, for asking, you know, I share people's stories. It's nice when someone actually asked me to ask about my story. Um, I was born in India. My roots are in Southern India. My biological mom died two days after giving birth and in the process of I've trying, to, been trying to find my biological father. I was dropped off to the founder of an orphanage. She took me into her home while the orphanage was being built and I was adopted and raised by a beautiful family in the US. I am an Indian Jewish woman, which I'm a very diverse woman, extremely diverse woman. Like you said, I've battled a lot. I grew up on the East Coast, and then I've lived actually in the East Coast, the South, and the Midwest. I've lived everywhere in this country except for the West Coast. My story has not been easy. I battled a disease for 20 years called endometriosis. I have lost two children through Um through miscarriages. So I I use my voice for the infertility community. I have PTSD due to a deeply, deeply traumatic event in my life. So I use my voice for mental health. It hasn't been easy, Brian, I'll be honest with you. It hasn't been, I I feel like I have been in survival of the fittest mode most of my life,
0: and I'm still there. I would say most all of your life, Rachel, because all of my life. Let, let's go, well, let's go back. Let's go back there, and I want to unpack just a little bit. You find out, you know, you you grow up being adopted by a U.S. family, a Jewish U.S. family, so you know very early on that you're not like them.
1: I was 11 months old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, well, yeah, we, my family. So my youngest sister is 17 years younger than I am. My parents adopted her when I was a senior in high school. So yeah. So she was, she was in her early teenage years. She was in her teenage years when she found out my, my parents adopted her. And the reason that my, my mom and dad were intentional about not telling her all those years, she, she thought it was like, well, they should have told me and when they were like. We my sister and I said the reason they didn't tell you was because they didn't want you to think that you were any different mm. than than the two of us who are biological children. But I have to think though, your mom, your biological mom dies two days after you're born. You're trying to find those pieces of who you are. And it really tells me that even from birth, you've always had this survivor innate instinct, take me through the process of learning about the Indian side of yourself and just, you know, learning about, learning about who you are, you know, where you came from, things like that. What were the emotions like for you as you started to uncover these pieces of your life that were previously unknown?
1: So for me, I can tell you the funniest. I, I was like three years old. Right, and I figured, and it was really it was very was a simple question for me. It's like, why are you this color and I'm that color? Because like you, uh, my parents had, had two biological children, and then adopted me. And I would love for us to talk about adoption too. It's interesting. I was listening to what you were saying about your sister. So for me, it was it was like, why do I look this way? How come you look that way? But it was a very innocent question. My mom said when I was like three years old i love where i come from i never forget where i come from i go back and i stay at the orphanage that's that's where i stay when i'm in india i've gone there twice and you're going to see me traveling again and introducing everybody to the orphanage it's it's who i am india is my home america's my home those are my roots and i remember when i went back for the first time the plane landed and the doors opened at the airport. And it was like two or three in the morning. I was already jet led. It's a long flight to India, it's yeah. a really and started crying because I was home. It was my ancestral home. And
0: so yeah. when you get there for the first time, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm very curious about that. You get there for the first time when do the pieces start to come together as, as far as you learning about your mom and what she went through giving birth? Um, because I would have to think it's like, Oh yes. You know, and I don't know what adoption records were like, you know, if they, if they were able to show you the, the, the records and things like that. Um, if, if you were able to find out your Indian, you know, if your mom was able to give you an Indian first name and things like that, what did you find out about your birth parents that either confirmed something that you, a, a part of you that is, here's where I'm going with this, okay? And, and forgive me for kind of stopping and, and, and trying and, and clarifying. We all have parts of us that are like our parents there are things that that there are times that i say things and do things that are like my dad i say things and do things that are like my mom did were you able to put those pieces together and go aha my that characteristic might have come from my birth mother or aha that characteristic that's always been innate inside of me i always wondered where it came from that could have come from my birth father did you kind of find out more of who you were from taking those trips to India.
1: So I, these are really good questions, Brian, very good questions. I received adoption books when I turned 16. It was every interaction that went back and forth. It was was gifts given to me by my parents. And we have to remember this is the seventies, right? Everything was done through telegram, obviously no email. They kept everything. When I turned 16, they gave me the paperwork. All that I had in the paperwork was my story. I don't know my mother's name. I do know my biological father's name. My Indian name is V Lakshmi. That's the only thing I have from my biological parents besides the genetics and the
0: DNA. See, there is no way you're a '70s baby because I've got a little gray in my hair and I look like a '70s baby. But there's no way that you I'm look a like a '70s
1: baby. I'm on my. I'm. I'm approaching, getting closer to fifty. I am too.
0: I am too. I'm I'll be 50 in August. But again, you well, look like, so much better than I do. So I mean that's why I'm saying
1: I'm I'm over, you know, I'm approaching 50 and very close years. And I'm listen. I love being in my forties. I absolutely yeah. love I've yeah. loved, loved, loved being in my forties. It is I have to be there on the ground to do research i only have the first name of my biological father i unlock pieces more of my story when i'm physically there i don't i don't know anything of my story brain i try very hard i've done the dna research you know when i found out yes you are 100 percent from southern india i don't have anything else in my blood that refutes that
0: but you've not been able to put together. Do you have brothers and sisters? Do you have. I,
1: I yeah. have tried to research that. I'm trying yeah. to research that. Adoptees, it's a lot of identity issues that we go through. There's a lot of struggles. Our story, let me say this right, and I'm saying the most, the most, the sweetest way I can say this. Adoptees are. Our story belongs to us. We are, and I'm going to say this, and I mean it, because I'm very protective over adoptees. We are entitled to know our story, where our roots begin. Hundred percent. Nobody should ever hold that information for us. We are. We let's talk about. It. We are asked to conform to a new environment, right? We are asked to conform to a new culture. We are asked to conform to a new religion. The beginning of my life was planned out for me. I had no saying it, right? I had no saying it. So it aren't, it is so hard to explain what it's like to be an adoptee. I grew up with these incredible parents. I love them dearly. Do you know, and I'm in my 40s, past 45, do you know, I just told my parents, I would say it was this year, I said, and they, I told them, I said, you know what, for 18 years, I wondered if you were going to return me. It was a fear that was in my head, and my parents said to me, "They started crying. Like, why didn't you tell us that? We would have told you. You didn't have to walk around with that fear inside your head." Yeah. So there are things, there are adoptee. I don't even want to call them issues. It's reality of things that we deal with: ab- uh, abandonment, uh, separation, anxiety. Feeling isolated, standing on the outside looking in. This is something really important. I never call my parents adoptee parent. No, they're my parents. Right. There's a huge mistake that people make when it comes to adoptees. And my parents have never done this. Got my two biological brothers, me. I'm in a setting. My parents introduce us. This is my son son daughter there is no this is my adopted daughter the right many, the minute right. you do that you have broken that bond. exactly you are to push that person outside the family and they're, they're just going to be looking in it's not it's never okay so this is now can you sit down and share the story of course people I, my father is. My father looks like you. Brown hair. Yeah. You know, um, a white male, brown hair, brown eyes. So of course, we always get that question: like, why is your daughter, you know, Indian? And your my parents are from New York, right? They got thick New York accents. And then here's your daughter, right? So it's a really it's an honor and a privilege.
0: Yeah. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've gotta find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work,
1: It's, and this is the most beautiful
0: thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Here's what I was gonna say, and I'm thinking, and 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 maybe this thought has crossed your mind as well too. I'd have to think it would have. But I keep thinking back to your 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 birth parents, your mm-hmm. your your biological parents. And could it be that your biological father, your mother, passes two days after you give birth?
1: she died because of me.
0: Right. And and I'm thinking to myself, okay. Did the plans alter when that event happened? Could it have been and how much different would your life have been? Maybe your biological parents were excited. They were they were planning their family and starting out. And then this super traumatic event happens and your your father might have said, "I can't do this. I can't raise a daughter by myself." And, they were and, young. They yeah. Were young yeah exactly. They exactly. Were young.
1: Um, and this, the only thing I do know about them is that they they were young and they were teenagers when they had me. Now you have to remember too. This is this is a very different time. Seventies. Where I come from is a very very small village in the middle of rural India. When I say small, I mean small. And somebody tried to take care of me on their own for three about three or four months because it was about when i was five months old that i was dropped off to the founder of the orphanage and what the person claimed and that's who we think was my biological father was they had no money they had no money you're talking about india we the it the third world country I love India I love my home people are struggling there every single day just like they're struggling in
0: this country well it's miraculous it's miraculous because and 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 forgive me for interrupting you but it's miraculous because you're three or four months old at the time and and I I don't mean to be crass I'm I'm just trying to be I I I want to put this in the proper perspective respectfully Your mother should have been there to nurse you. It's miraculous to me you survived. People just feeding you, you know, bottle feeding you for all intents and purposes because your mother was not there for you to nurse on. It's miraculous to me. And it just shows that you were created for a purpose that was so much farther down the road than anyone in that small village in India could have seen, even your adoptive, your parents could have seen to me. I, I just look at that and I think that's miraculous.
1: Well, I was, my life was saved. The woman who started this orphanage, um, it is, is it started, but it is funded by this massive huge christian organization huge and she went to india as a missionary and she was a nurse that's what she did and so she they took me this person took me to her i was malnourished i was borderline comatose that's how severely sick i was at five months i did that's i was literally going to die okay brian that's what was going to happen so this woman who took me in who was on a mission, who was a nurse at one of the biggest hospitals in India, she saved my life. She, listen, I have five parents. Okay, five. I've got the two, biological, the foster mom, and then my parents now. So that, these are people who made a choice when it comes to my life. Why do I say that? There was a choice when I shopped off at the foster mom, whether or not she was going to take me. There's a choice whether or not I was going to be adopted. These are choices that people made. And every day, Brian, I'll share this with you. Every, I hate my birthday. I'll tell you why. Most people love their birthday. I don't. For me, it is the week when I know my biological mom died. That is something I carry with me every single day. I can't begin to explain to people what it is like to know that your birth cause my biological mother's death i carry that every single day Mm -hmm. and so i have these five parents and i will not waste my life i've had three near-death experiences and i was uh, someone was studying me for a paper actually it was part of a paper when she was getting her master's I'm not going to waste my life. I don't forget where I come from. Everything that I'm doing right now is because I have a specific goal in my head that I am trying to reach. And until I reach that I reach that goal, I'm not going to stop. It is in my head. It's in my heart. I know what I want to do and until I reach that. I'm just not going to stop.
0: Well, you yeah. define Rachel, you forgive me for jumping in there. You define the difference for me. And I've had this conversation with people before. You've just eloquently described the vast difference between passion and purpose. Because when, when I hear what you just said, and I see the conviction, it's one thing to hear the words. It's another thing to see the conviction. That tells me that purpose drives everything that you do in life.
1: Oh, there's a combo. I'll be honest with you, Brian, it's a, it's, it's a combination because I'm deeply passionate about stuff. And I, I have more purposes than people ever know in this world that I'm working on. So it, I kind of, I combined them both. i you know, it's, I can't do one. I can't do one without the other. Does that make sense? I know why. I, makes sense. A, I know why I get it every day. I know why. I know, you know, we always talk about like the why, what is your why, why you're doing everything that you're doing. I know my reason why. I get up every day and it has to do with, it has to do with where i come from you get up every day and you ask yourself We did, this is, might be how you and i function i don't know how many people in your audience function this way what can you and i do to take this world forward? what can we do to make this world a better place we know the world is It's not doing good. We know what we've seen this year. We know what we see every day. So you and I consciously make a choice when we get up and go, all right, what could we do now to make it better? If all of us, imagine every single one of us got up every day and asked ourselves that question, just said late in bed or having their cup of Joe, you know, having a cup of coffee and went, well. Today, I can make this world a little bit better. Let me go out there. Let me, And it's a choice. Listen, it's a choice. People either do it or they don't do it. It's a choice. And people have to ask them what choice are they
0: making. Well, it's kind of piggybacking off the conversation that we had. And I don't want to stray too, too far from your story. But what it's really about, Rachel, to me, is that people are looking for... How to reach the masses instead of focusing on impacting one person at a time. If I have had an impact in one person's day today, mission accomplished.
1: Hey, you impacted my day today. There you go.
0: Mission accomplished. Exactly. Whether that whether that is someone who's lost a parent and I know about it and I'm reaching out going, I'm I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you. If you need to talk, call me. Or somebody that, or just saying, Hey, I I just had you on my mind today. And just understanding that it's about impacting one person at a time. And, and, you know, obviously, and I can understand, you know, you're talking about the week of your birthday is always so hard because there's a part of you that feel that feels that guilt. But I would have to think that if your biological mom were alive she would probably look at you and go, but my daughter has made such an impact on other people that
1: difficult though. Yeah, it's still, it is still difficult and yeah, it is. It's something that weighs like heavy.
0: Well, and I'm speaking as a parent because I, I would, you know, my 21 year old son, when he does something well. And I I have people that come up to me and say, hey, your son did this or your son did that. And I'm like, okay, I've done something right. Mm -hmm. If I die tomorrow, hopefully I've done enough right things with him that he can go on making that impact and things like that. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you overcoming PTSD and you talk. I haven't
1: about overcome it. it. I haven't overcome yeah. it. Use... You are
0: overcoming it. And and so I commend you for that because I'm,
1: here, I'm living with, I should you're say you're
0: living with it. Exactly. And, and again, I commend you because PTSD takes so many people down different pathways. Mm-hmm. Mental health can take people down different pathways, destructive pathways to themselves and other people. When you think about the moment, that you had that experience, what's a lesson that you have taken from it that has helped you to be able to help other people through a similar circumstance?
1: You were just, I can answer this perfectly. You were just discussing when people have a platform and what are they doing with it, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that there is still a huge stigma when it comes to mental health, we know how huge it is. So I say it loud and proud. So for the person watching it, wondering okay, well, I ha- I'm going through any of these men- mental health issues. Here's somebody saying this, and she's doing it through a video live in front of a quarter million people, right? So that's really, really, really important to me. I'm not ashamed, Brian, that I had PTSD. I don't wish what happened to me to happen any other human being on this planet. I've had more Trauma and grief that most people can survive in a lifetime, and that's not me saying this. That that is a quote from one of the therapists that I work with. That she said, you know, most people can survive what they've been through.
0: Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. and Oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more, or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage Podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage Podcast.
1: I will never be silent when it comes to mental health. I am so passionate about it, Brian. I am so deeply passionate about it. It's important. Like you said, people have a platform. What are they using it for? Well, what are you using it for? I'm using it to say, you know what? It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to, to turn on a camera and go, today was not a good day or to turn on a camera and I'm crying and I'm sharing a story is something that happened to me. If I get the message across, it's okay not to be okay.
0: If I could step you back to that moment and you got the ability to walk now, you right now, 2022 Rachel Beck, you had the ability to go back in time Mm -hmm. and be able to sit down with yourself maybe the day after it happened or a couple days after the event happened. And I want to respect your privacy and not go into the event itself. But if you could step back in time and have that interaction with yourself, what piece of advice do you think you would share with that Rachel from, from this Rachel of 2022?
1: That is a phenomenal question, right? That's a really good question. Don't put your future in somebody else's hands. So my honest, it's my honest, it's my honest, honest, answer. I learned very hard, very, very fast through experiences I've had. Keep your eyes open. Just keep your eyes open.
0: That's so hard for people to do a lot of times because. In the moment. And that's why I asked you the question like that. And thank you for the for that kind, kind compliment. Is that I think if we were all honest with each other, we've had those life-defining moments.
1: I've had many. I've had yeah, many. I it, it, all of them. I can see all of them it, in my head.
0: Exactly. And I think, you know, and, and just to my immediate left is a picture of my of my late father. My my dad died suddenly almost 10 years ago. I'm sorry. And I, no, oh, thank you. And here's what I would say. I would like to. The reason I asked that question is, I've replayed the mom, the morning of his passing, mm. so many times. And I wish I could go back, and and take myself to the to McDon, to the McDonald's in Boone, North Carolina, that I stopped in to get some breakfast before I headed yeah. home. And I wish I could take 15 minutes and sit down with myself and go, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to, it really is going to be okay. And, and that's why I ask you that because I feel like there are some people that are walking through some really hard things like what you went through, right? They're, they're walking through them right now. They're listening to us they're going how does it make any sense how does it come how does how does daylight come from this darkness Mm -hmm. and and that's why I asked that because the the perspective of time is such a wonderful perspective to have
1: I Okay.
0: Yeah, please, please, please go ahead.
1: You know, I have thoughts on that because there's so many cliches people, you know, say, and they're like, "Time heals." Everything. No, <laughs> time does not heal everything. I personally don't feel that way. You know, when you you go through traumas, especially when it comes to PTSD, and I'm sure you understand this, there are triggers, there are emotional triggers that might bring up that experience all over again. So it's not like no time doesn't heal. I could see, you know, they're called episodic memories, right? When you've had something that has was so deep and you have this memory that's attached to it, right? Like the night yeah. I was carried, that was in 2006. I can see everything that happened that day to detail. Ask me what I ate for breakfast a week ago, but it's an episode. Is the pain associated with it? same with the second miscarriage was the pain associated with, I know exactly what I was doing that day. I don't believe time heals everything. I believe there are things that you go through that are unimaginable. There are things that you go through that shake you to your core. I'm at a point in my life that I've been, there is nothing that anybody can do to me that I haven't been through.
0: I'll be honest, I love that. That, that I, is so I was, powerful.
1: Five two rapes by complete strangers was rescued and saved. There's not, Brian. I it's amazing. Like, things I've been through so much and have fallen down so many times. There's nothing like people are like, why wow, you've such a laid back listen. We're all doing the best we can every day. We're doing the best we can every well, here's, here's day. Well,
0: here's what I love what you just said. Forgive me for jumping in there, but you oh, yeah. have just beautifully just taken us there. Is that the 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 days that things happen to us, mm-hmm. th- those life-defining moments, you just said, I know what I have for breakfast. I know what the weather was like that day. You can probably say I was wearing a Definitely. blue shirt and... It, whatever you do it really I, I it you really do remember every little detail I just the rain from yes that like yes i, I remember
1: about your sandwich i mean when you were going out and you pulled over to have a breakfast sandwich you know when you're talking about your father
0: yeah i was in room i think i was in room 103 at the comfort inn and Suites in boone north carolina like i you know just those those little details of that of that day.
1: I'm sure you can smell the meal you have. The yeah,
0: yeah. I think it was like a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit or something <laughs> it's an like associate, that. It, yeah. Right?
1: It's an associate, and that's what they call it. we learned in psychology called episodic memory, because something happened that is just it's so it's not, you know, time doesn't heal everything. You know, not every I have learned Brian, I thought my life was going to be such a certain way. I had it planned out. I was like, this is what the way it's going to be. And then my life happened (laughs) and nothing turned out the way it it was supposed to be. And now what do I do? Embrace all of it. I go with the flow. I'm like, whatever comes my way. I'm like, I've survived more that people have no idea about. They have no
0: clue. Yeah. And you're using, yeah, and you're using that to help other people. And that's the beautiful part of it, Rachel, is I believe God takes us through things in life so that we can learn lessons to help other people. It's, you know, because what you've gone through, someone that's had a miscarriage for the first time in their life, you know exactly how to help them. Someone, that, that a, a lady that's gone through rape, you understand how to help her because you- wasn't been there. Rape.
1: I had a t- two attempted rapes.
0: Attempted rapes. Forgive okay. me. Forgive no, no, me. No,
1: I just want, I want to honor that.
0: Community. But but again, you you understand the fear behind it oh, a lot of absolutely.
1: times. Absolutely. I can share yeah. one of the stories with you. It's absolute fear. It's
0: yeah. And, but I don't know that like you do. I, yeah. I can't help someone in that circumstance. What I could say is I, I can pray for you. But you probably, you, you likely know, you're, you're, you're probably, you know, and I'm just paraphrasing. I don't want to be very respectful. You're probably going through this. I went through the same thing. You might be experiencing that. Here's what happened to me. You, you've learned those lessons, but you're trying to help other people through them instead of clutching them like pearls close to your chest and going, I'm never going to share that. It's just too intimate and too personal. And I believe God takes us through things for us to help you, to help other people. I want to ask you this in a few minutes that we have left. What's the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you have either learned on your own, gotten, but it, but it keeps you encouraged that you would share with other people in the last few minutes of our conversation.
1: Our dreams belong to us. And it's really, here's a couple of my pet peeves, Brian, you ready?
0: <laughs> fire away, Rachel, fire away.
1: This is going to turn into encouragement. Exactly what you were saying. Our dreams belong to us. Don't be, don't be a bubble popper. Okay. That's pet peeve. If someone says, if you and I sit down and I say to you, Brian, this is what I'm dreaming about. This is what I want to do. Don't be that naysayer. Let let people have their dreams. Encourage them. It doesn't matter. Their dreams belong to us, and that is a mistake people make. Get out there, encourage them, help them. You know, I'll be friends. Hey, I'm trying to do this, and I go boom. Meet this person. They're gonna help you with your dreams. Be that person. Don't pop somebody's dream. Okay, no, it, it's theirs. It's sake My dreams are in my heart, and they deeply private to me and they are deeply they mean it's why I get up every day okay I'm gonna yeah. say that so encourage people don't sit there and say oh my god your dream's never gonna come true or this is never gonna happen no don't don't even plant that seed of negativity in their head because they're already giving it 150 to make their dream come true that's the first thing your kind word your encouraging word could literally make or break a human being. You have no clue. And I can say this with the truth because I, I know what I, I'm saying this from experience. You can make the difference in someone else's life. One kind word, one kind action, one smile. It can make a huge, huge one kind gesture. One kind gesture. You know. I, I personally, I don't know about you, Brian. I remember the kind people in the world. I tend to forget the, you know, the other people I mean, I'm like, wow, this person is extremely kind. That person yeah. is, is now implanted in my head because of who they are, how they're treating you and you and I were talking about respect. What a polite, respectful human being. They are those people stand out. Those people truly stand out. So get out there. Do something encouraging, help somebody. Some people right now, standing on the edge and they need us. And it is our responsibility as human beings to pull them back and to hold on to them and say, you know what, we're here for you. And this is why I take my social media being an influencer responsibility very seriously.
0: Wow. That is so good. First of all, I want to say. Again, thank you for sharing your story with me. I have so looked forward to this. I, and and it, folks, it, it's just understanding the why behind the person. And again, you can follow her on LinkedIn at Rachel Beck, R-A-C-H-E-L-B-E-C-K. Rachel, from the bottom of my heart, I am indebted to you for this time, for for the, the, the first part of our conversation that we had. And this second part, and folks, I hope you have gotten powerful intentional encouragement. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
1: It's my honor. It's my privilege. I'm looking forward to more conversations and we're going to get you on my show. That's our next step. We're going to have you on my show and we're going to talk about this. What does it mean to be an encouraging human being? But let me say this, a real encourager. Not, there's a big difference between, are you truly an encourager? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Right and talk, we'll talk about that when I have you on my show.
0: Absolutely. I can't wait. Okay. I cannot wait. Again, my sincere honor. Thank you for joining me, Rachel, on the okay. Intentional Encourager podcast.